When you're shit out of luck, there's just one thing to do, and that's listen to Backtracks, Aerosmith Revisited. My name is Corey Morissette, joined as always by, oh baby, the one, the only, the sexiest man in podcasting, Scott Haskin. How you doing, Scott? I'm doing great, Corey. That intro Man, I is fantastic. Ki- I killed your, I, I got to get some like porno music to play in the background. I'll, I'll have that. I'll try to have that worked up for next show. I could probably write you some. I, I did. Uh, I was an audio engineer at a porn session one time. It oh. was, it was great. We just threw a reel on and the bass and drummer came in. They set up, we sound checked. They went outside, they got high. They played for three straight hours. We just kept changing reels. <laughs> and then the timer ran out and they just left. That sounds like the easiest job in, in sound engineering. Just It really was. We could have just, I mean, all we had to do was walk in and change the tape when it ran out. We didn't even need to be in the room. It was the easiest gig I've ever had. Did you at least get to go outside and get high with the musicians or no? I'm not a, I've never done that. I've, I'm not a drug guy, so I, I yeah. did not. I don't blame you. I, I'm not really a drug guy either. I, I think once they legalized pot up in Canada, I tried it once. And I'm like, really? Didn't really do anything for me, so I haven't done it since. I mean, I've tried it twice. The first time I felt nothing and my friend was like, no, you're really high right now. I'm like, I don't think so. And she said, no, you are. I'm like, well, then what is the point? Because I feel zero <laughs> difference. She says, aren't you getting hungry? I'm like, no. Is that a thing? I, I, I'm just fat. I'm hungry all the time. I, I wouldn't even notice a difference. <laughs> so, yeah, but I got to say, you know, listening to that intro, uh, the music. I love that crisp hi hat in there. I don't know if I've ever commented on it, but I just love that open crisp hi hat sound. Really? Yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah, well, that's uh, draw the line uh, from the mm-hmm. album. Draw the line, nineteen seventy-seven. Have we done draw the line yet? I don't think we have. I don't believe we have. Ooh, if we roll one of my songs here tonight, that may go on the dice. Now I want to hear draw the line. So. There you go. Yeah, we have not. We have one, two, three, four, five songs left on that album. Okay. And uh, you know what? I want some Doritos. And not because I'm high, just because I'm fat. And I like snacks. <laughs> I don't think you need an excuse to want Doritos. They're delicious. I know. And thanks to Ozempic, I can have a little now. Because yes. uh, I've been taking the Ozempic. I got my Libre thing in my arm so I can constantly monitor my blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And thanks to Ozempic, uh, you know, those big sugary things don't spike them so much. So if I have a little bit, not too much. You know, a little bit here and there, maybe a small ice cream sundae or something. Or sure, um, it was Halloween not that long ago. My kids would hand me a little uh, bag of Whoppers that had like three little Whoppers in it. You know, eat those, have a peanut butter cup. You know, it's been pretty good. Yeah, you know, it's not bad if you minimize how much you have. You can you can treat yourself a little bit here and there. Yeah, which is something I never did like the first year and a half that I was diabetic. So uh, thank God for Ozempic. I know a lot of people are having some kind of scary side effects, but I think they're the people that are using it just for weight loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm weight loss is just an added benefit for me because I'm fat and diabetic. It was made for me. Well, you've been losing weight though. You've been working hard. You go to the gym. You've been really consistent. I'm proud of you, Corey. Thank you. Yeah. Going to the gym actually tomorrow night as we record this, seeing my personal trainer and uh, the, my goal is to get into like a three XL uh, concert shirt. Uh, mm-hmm. Not from Metallica anymore. I'm not going to see them. However, uh, instead of going to Edmonton in August, we're going to go to Ontario uh, around Toronto. And so I'm kind of holding out hope that when Aerosmith releases those uh, uh, rebooked dates for the uh, Peace Out Tour, maybe it would coincide with me being in Toronto, Ontario. I know we're going to miss Taylor Swift by about a week, which is just <sighs> fine by me because uh, Swifties will just overrun Toronto and it's going to be awful. 
So we're yeah. going to be there the week after Taylor's there, which is fantastic. Hopefully that that's when Steven and the boys say, oh, let's hit the air, uh, the old Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. Uh, man, I'd kill to see Aerosmith again before they call it a day. Yeah, I, I've never seen them, so I would love to. But I'll say I, I have to divert for just a second since you mentioned Taylor Swift. I went on a little bit of a binge not too long ago and tried to understand what it is because the clips that I've heard of her music, I haven't really cared for. And so I thought, let me let me pick like five random popular songs and check them out and see what I think. And what I found is that they're very rigid. For one, everything's catchy. I mean, it's like the, the way that boy bands, right? You know, everything has to be catchy and commercial sounding. The other thing is, though, everything is so... This is how this line is delivered. This is how this next line is delivered. It's not alive. It's not, you, you, you can't sing it differently. You can't feel it differently on different nights. It's almost like you have to follow the program. Okay. I, I've only heard, I think, two Taylor Swift songs in my life. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I was going to kind of wait and, and watch her concert movie uh, when it came out on streaming, but she says she's not going to put it on streaming until... The uh, actor strike is resolved, which as of today, I don't think is happening anytime soon. Uh, the uh, uh, Producers Guild, or not Producers Guild, but the studios presented their last, best, and final offer, uh, which the actors rejected. So I don't know where we go from here, but it may be a while before I get to watch the uh, Taylor Swift uh, concert movie. I don't know what that meant, though. Their last offer, so if if... They reject it. You're just not going to make any more movies because you can't have actors now. I, I, yeah, so I don't the, the, one, that. the the one product you produce, you're not going to produce anymore because you refuse to pay people a, a decent wage and not yeah. steal their likeness after they die. It, it sounds yeah. really kind of stupid, doesn't it? It really does. I mean, it's almost like saying uh, I run Walmart and unless I can get two cents off of every item I buy, I'm just not buying from anybody anymore. But I'm going to have my store. There won't be anything in it. Yeah. I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I have said since the beginning of this, and I've suggested this to some of the people in, in certain positions, that we start finding an alternative to the studios. That we just go, you know what? We don't need to be held prisoner. People want movies. They need entertainment. If we didn't learn anything about that through COVID, then we learned nothing. Because entertainment is what got people through it. Um. I just think they need to find a way to circumvent them. The, well, the people that invest in the studios can invest in the movies directly. Fuck them. Well, guess what, Scott? Taylor Swift has shown us the way. Because what she, she did with her deal is she bypassed the studios. She went right to the theater chains. And she produced the movie herself for like $40 million, mm -hmm. And she made a deal with the studios. I think it was like a 50-50 split with theaters, which for theaters is amazing. Because right now at the studios, studios could take up to 69%. Uh, opening weekend on a movie and leave the the theater is very little i know because i'm opening a theater but mm -hmm. if you if taylor swift comes to you and says you can play my movie we'll split it 50 50 every theater on the planet's going to jump at that because a people are going to go because yeah. swifties are everywhere mm -hmm. i work with one it's scary let me tell you and b <laughs> you're you're, you're going to get more of the profits so you you can charge less and you, you know and make it more of an experience for people it's a win-win-win uh, yeah. studios have forgotten that mid-range movies are a what people want to see and b really no risk because if you make mm -hmm. a movie for 20 million it makes 40 you, you get a pretty decent return on investment if you make a a 250 million dollar movie and it doesn't clear a billion you lose 300 million yeah. like it, it's it's stupid how they think the studios are run by idiots is basically the the message here 
It's greed. And the only difference in what, what makes the Taylor model difficult to apply to anyone pretty much but Taylor is that nobody has that 40 million to front to make the movie except for Taylor. So that's that's going to be the trick. So you have like um, Daniel Harris and Scout Taylor Compton are going to start making their own movies. They said next year they're hoping to make their first one and they're going to do one every year. Well, that's great, but they got to get the money to do it. You know, somebody has to pay for craft services and set dressing and people's pay and all those sort of things, not to mention the business side and the advertising, which easily costs as much to make the movie as it does to advertise it. So the great thing about Taylor was that she just has the money. Everyone else has to raise it. But my feeling on that is the people that are investing in the studios just invest in the independent films. And follow the Blumhouse model. We talked about Blumhouse before on this show. Mm-hmm. Make a movie for ten million, watch it make eighty to a hundred million. You know, ten times your investment. Mm-hmm. Take the proceeds of that, and make another movie. That's all Blumhouse does, and they're incredibly successful at it. Yeah, you don't need to make these three hundred million dollar bloated pieces of shit that people don't want to go see. Like the mm-hmm. new Indiana Jones movie lost four hundred million. Mission wow. Impossible lost money because people are sick of seeing the same old thing over and over and over again. Yet Barbie, they made that for like what eighty million, and mm-hmm. it grossed well over a billion dollars. Like yeah. Even Oppenheimer cost $100 million, made 947 I think it's at right now. Huge profit for Universal. So mm-hmm. keep costs low and, and make something that people want to see. But yeah. I digress. Maybe we should get back to the business. We do this every fucking week, Scott, and people are getting so mad at us. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, people, but people are used to it. So how long have we been recording? Uh, 10 minutes, maybe? Yeah, about this that. Episode. Okay, so just skip ahead 10 minutes on the episode. See if we're starting to play music if you don't want to hear us talk about how <laughs> the world works and how we're fixing it. That's right, because in reality, folks, Scott and I see each other once a week. We hop yeah. on a call, we hit record, and then we just talk. Uh, yeah. So we're, we're, we're kind of catching up on world events at the same time, too. So Exactly. But let's spin an Aerosmith song, because I'm, uh, you know, we had a good time last week, and I'm curious to see what we get this week. Why the heck not? Let's spin an Aerosmith song. So if you're joining us for the first time, first of all, welcome. Second of all, here's what we're doing. Here's the mission statement of the show. We're trying to compile the ultimate Aerosmith mixtape. You guys remember mixtapes? Scott and I do. We're really old. There used to be these little cassettes, blank cassettes, and you would fill them up, side A and side B. And you'd fit about nine songs on a side. So that's what we're doing here. We got two sides on a mixtape, nine songs each side. Side A is all your deep cuts. This is stuff that was never released as a single. Side B is all the singles, all the hits. And we're going to come up with the top nine songs on each side. Not necessarily the best songs, but what we feel best represents Aerosmith. So you might be wondering, how we how do we decide what song we do every week? Well, it's not fixed. Uh, we got a lot of that on the Van Halen Show with our wheel. It's not rigged. Uh, it's actually legitimate. We have a, a dice. We actually went to one of those Dungeon and Dragon websites where you can customize your own dice. We have six sides on it, and we each put three songs on the dice. We're going to roll that dice. And we're going to see whatever comes up. That's the song we're going to come up. We're going to talk about. So on tonight's dice, we have Joni's Butterfly from Rockin' a Hard Place, Pandora's Box from Get Your Wings, Angel from Permanent Vacation, Fever from Get a Grip, Loving an Elevator from Pump, and Fallen Angels from nine lives. Scott, what are you in the mood for? Well, Corey, I got a fever. The only thing that'll make it better is Joni's Butterfly. That's the shittiest Christopher Walken impersonation anyone has ever done in the history of Christopher Walken impersonations. But 
Uh, I'm going to go with Joni's Butterfly. But you know, I didn't realize you got this from a Dungeons and Dragons site. I wonder if they play that Aerosmith clip when they're deciding what monster is going to invade their camp. I mean, they have to, right? You know, that's where I got it from. It, it's yeah. rollthedice.online is the name of the website. If anybody's looking for a customizable dice website, that's what we use. It's uh, Backtracks, Aerosmith, Revisited, Endorsed. There you go. They should send us some money. I agree. So Someone the does. worst the worst Christopher Walken impression in the world picked Joni's Butterfly. Uh, last week I picked Angel for my dear darling wife. Uh, screw that. I, I'm going to go with, uh, I, I want something. I'm going to go with Fever just because something has to redeem that horrible, horrible Christopher Walken impression. So I'm going Fever, <laughs> get a grip. You're going Joey's, Joni's Butterfly. What say we throw it over to Steven Tyler and see what we come up with? And we got fever from Get a Grip. All right. My well manifestation done, powers are back. It's been a while since I called my shot on this show or on any show for that matter, but uh, I'm not mad at this one at all. I'm not going to, not going to, you know, uh, tip my hand or anything, but this is a, a Steven Tyler, Joe Perry, Jim Valance written tune from uh, Get a Grip. Jim Valance, of course, longtime collaborator with the legendary Brian Adams, written some big, big songs. Uh, including Ether Rich uh, from this record uh, and uh, Boogeyman, which was an instrumental uh, at the end of this record. Um, Fever, what do you have you heard this song before when you put it on the dice, Scott? Or? No, I know the old song Fever. I can't remember who did it. It was a female you vocal. Fever. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, laying, laying across the piano in a slinky dress kind of song. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see what Aerosmith's got. Yeah, well, this song is definitely not that, uh, so, so that's for sure. I definitely uh, this, do not want to see Steven Tyler laying across the piano. You do, too. Who are you talking about? Uh, well, he'd be playing the piano, so <laughs> it wouldn't work. Okay, so uh, originally, on the one thing I was looking at here said, uh, you know what, I, I screwed up. I was looking at Get a Grip, sorry. Jim Valance had nothing to do with this song. Yeah. So uh, Aerosmith fans who are already on Twitter with the pitchforks ready to, to scream at me, I admit my mistake. Jim Valance did not write this song. This was Steven Tyler and Joe Perry. And actually, uh, this is the only Tyler Perry song on the album written without uh, a song doctor. Not to be confused with Tyler Perry. I guess, yeah. Yeah, the actor, Much different. The comedian yeah. guy. Uh, yeah. I also want to point out that we're not reading this week's poll because we're actually recording this episode a week or a little bit early because Corey has to take some time to go see a magical band. And uh, so we will read the polls next week. That's right. And uh, next week, I'll let you all know how Kiss was because I'm off to Saskatoon uh, next week on November 13th to see their uh, 12th to last final show, allegedly. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> on their 70th to last final tour. I'm looking forward to it. They, they, they put on a good show. I know, I know, you know, Paul Stanley can't sing like he used to, and there's tracks and, you know, Gene is very old and kind of pudgy, but that's fine. They, they, they still put on a great show and I, I love the songs and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. My kid can't wait. Uh, she loves a big production. She also likes Nickelback. So take that for what it's worth, but. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's kind of a spectacle, right? It's one of those things that you should probably see once in your life if you get the chance. You're not necessarily going to see a great concert, but you're going to have an experience. That's right. Speaking of experience, let's listen to a song that Garth Brooks covered uh, back in the day. Uh, this song uh, reached number five on the U.S. Billboard album Rock Tracks chart. This is Fever. 
Oh, baby. Love me that intro. Yeah, that's killer. I love that uh, quick double bass hit right before or right at the end of the pass. Uh, that's really nice. Uh, really great sound to the production on this is really good. Bruce Fairbairn, baby. Mm -hmm. I could do the without best. the haze. I, I've never really, you oh, know, since, come on. since the 60s when that stuff was all over the place. Um, I think it, it was just overdone for me then. And I... I in more modern music, I really don't care for it as much, but it's minimal. Love the haze. Love the haze. I love that. You know, we, we kind of had that little atmospheric bit, and then we just had Tom in that one line, boom, on the bass, right? That kicked into the whole big uh, chug and rock and groove. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the kind of music that, that cures my soul. I know you and I are probably going to disagree on this one a little bit, but love me this record, and I love me this song. Let's keep her going. Okay, who can't relate to that? I got a rip in my pants and a hole in my brand new shoes. I got a margar margarita noose. Sorry, I got a margarita nose and a breath full of mad dog booze. Everybody can relate to that. I mean, it's if, if you didn't experience that in your teenage years, then you're not ready to be an adult. Exactly. exactly. But you know, did you notice something, Corey? Those little fills that we got in the background, I'm going to guess that's Joe. Uh, that's what we were missing last week. Yes. Yep. Uh, I was going to point that out. and and. In, also, Stephen's voice. Of course, we yeah. went from Kermit the Frog Stephen to now Stephen at arguably the height of his powers here. Like, he sounded as good on Get a Grip as he has on anything. Just sounds yeah. wonderful, the whole record. I agree. All right. First of all, the bass is yeah. amazing. Like Heaven. Tom is killing it. The, the, both guitar players killing it. Joey sounds great. Lyrically, uh, they threw me out of jail. I tell you, it ain't fair. I tried to kiss the judge from the electric chair. Yeah, we're all here because we're not all there tonight. Like, that's just great, great writing. That's some classic Steven right there. Yeah. And also, we I, I didn't catch this last week, but he didn't have any real vocal layers either and this week we've got the classic steven sound back those backups those layers of of stretching out notes he sounds fantastic really does to me th this is kind of quintessential aerosmith uh mm. especially for, uh, fr from this record um mm. we're only past the first uh, chorus we may have to have a conversation though i, I kind of forget how much i love this song until i hear this song again and it's yeah. like oh yeah this is aerosmith baby
So uh, this song, I think, lyrically kind of means maybe, uh, uh, especially in the last verse before the last chorus, uh, kind of moving, you know, pleasurable things in life that don't involve drugs. You know, this is kind of Stephen Clean saying, uh, I, I don't want to ruin the line until we get there. I think I mentioned it a few weeks ago and you had a good laugh at it. But, it, you know, little lines like, uh, if we do it right at the speed of light, there's the backseat of my car. Like, you're, you're not doing bumps off the bathroom mirror anymore. You know, you're you're screwing around or you're you're finding pleasure in other things, maybe. You know, it, it's, it may be an odd reference, but it kind of reminds me of the Jay of Jay and Silent Bob fame from Clerks 2 after they had gotten out of prison and they're trying to do things, you know, from a different angle, trying to be clean. Uh, I like it. I, I really love the, that Steven just, he's here. He's so present and in the moment singing this song. Um, I love that last part too. It sounded like there were two crash hits at the end of each pass that I, that yep. were kind of subtle, but I really liked that. It was just a completely different and new thing. Not the same, you know, sound that they always have. They're finding little things to add in there. It sounds like they're having a lot of fun. I really like those crashes in, in quick succession to that. GG, mm-hmm. GG, yep. And much better than the Garth Brooks version. I got to tell you, that fucking thing is about rodeo. Oh, yeah. It's oh, God. Like, I, I looked up a line from that shitty version. I won't play it for the folks because I want people to stay and listen yeah. to our show but one of the lines is uh he's got a split finger wrap and his ropes pulled way too tight he's got a lunatic smell because he's really drawn deep tonight about fucking rodeo and i'm like no garth brooks oh no yeah and i played in a country band uh for about a year and it was a lot of old mostly older country like 50s and 60s country so as a drummer you're just basically a metronome and not much else yeah. uh i learned a lot though about meter and and it made me a better drummer but man some of those songs were i i just like wanted to impale myself on a drumstick <laughs> How great is that verse? I was feeling so high. I forgot what day. Now I'm feeling low down. Even slow seems way too fast. And now the booze don't work because the drugs ran out of gas. So there That's you great. go. He's yeah. yeah. He giving up the drugs. Uh, you know, slow seems way too fast. But you know, he's finding uh, you know, that high uh, in, in different areas, uh, largely in the backseat of his car. I imagine. I you know he's he's subtle. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Tyler, known for his subtlety, absolutely right. Uh, I, I'm excited by this though because it, it really—if I would have heard this album when it came out, I would have been very excited that maybe they found a better way and that we were done with all the, you know, uh, therapy and uh, uh, all of that. But uh, obviously, that didn't turn out to be true. But I think I would have been hopeful as a fan. Mm-hmm. We're coming up to my favorite line in the whole song. Come on. The buzz that you be getting from the crack don't last. I'd rather be ODing on the crack of her ass. Yes. I, again, that subtlety that we've come to expect. I know. 
<laughs> no, it's a great line. And, and, uh, and again, it just shows that there is other things that you can do to find enjoyment in life than drugs. That's right. The, the buzz you be getting from crack don't last. They should put that on a PSA. You know, in, in, yeah. instead, BOD it on the crack of her ass. That's the problem. They're, they're always just saying, don't do drugs. They're not giving you the alternative. Just go get laid. Exactly. The more you know. Do, 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 do. I tell you, there is a certain magic you get when it's just a Steven Tyler, Joe Perry written song, and it's just the five of them figuring out and playing the fuck out of it. Like, that that's really the magic of the band. I know they had all these outside hit makers come in, like Desmond Child and Jim Valance and all that, uh, Diane Warren, wrote them hits, and it, it still was Aerosmith. It didn't, it didn't quite have this same energy, though. It didn't have this same magic to it, where you, where you got Tom doing this really great underrated bass line. That's Brad Whitford mm -hmm. on the guitar solo. Not even Joe Perry. Joe's just in the back, just wailing away on rhythm, which he's so good at. Mm -hmm. Joey Kramer, I've already talked about him being one of my favorite drummers. Uh, just absolutely fantastic stuff. And then you get Steven on the harmonica. What, like, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, and I love that run that Brad was doing right where you cut it, uh, just really coming through in the mix as he's hitting those higher registers. I realize what the drum beat reminds me of, and it's not exactly the same, but Hollywood Nights by Bob Seger has that sort of similar, uh, except that it's done on the snare instead of the, the bass drum. Uh, it has a little bit of that feel to it, which is a great feel for an up-tempo rock song. Another un underrated song, I think, is Hollywood Nights by Bob Seger, especially drum-wise, so uh, mm -hmm. very good call. Scott Fever from uh, Get a Grip, uh, released in 1993. Um, this was a single back in the day. So if it belongs on the mixtape, it's taken off. One of the all-time Aerosmith top nine we currently have on there, which includes Let the Music Do the Talking, Chip Away the Stone, The Other Side, Home Tonight, Back in the Saddle, Eat the Rich, Mamakin, Shut Up and Dance, and Living on the Edge. We've got a few Get a Grip songs on there. And I know we've had discussions about, you know, how many tracks from one single album can we have, uh, mainly from Permanent Vacation, because that's such a great record. Uh, yeah. But here we have another great record. We've got uh, from this, uh, we got one, two, three songs from uh, Get a Grip on the uh, uh, all-time arrow top nine. 
for lack of a better name. I'm going to recommend that Fever take the place of one of them. I'm going to recommend the second song we ever did, Shut Up and Dance, which is such a great, great tune, an underrated tune. I'm going to recommend maybe we take that one off uh, in favor of Fever. What are you thinking, Scott? You know, I think I, I, I like Shut Up and Dance quite a bit, but what strikes me about that song is that after the episode ended, it didn't stay with me for long. It didn't, it didn't get in my head. Whereas I think I will be hearing this song for at least the next week in my head without having, without listening to it, it's just going to be there. So I would agree with that. I think that's a, that's a good one. Let's, let's go ahead and make that a permanent switch. Hey, what shut up and dance had a really long shelf life. We went from song two all the way to song 90 yeah, with that on, on the mixtape. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, oh, that, that's kind of a throwaway song from Get a Grip. I never saw it that way. Uh, I love Shut Up and Dance. And uh, because I'm a big fan of the movie Wayne's World 2, they played that song live in Wayne's World 2 as well. So there's a live version on Wayne's World 2 on that soundtrack. Oh, so I listen to that song a lot uh, from 93 on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, I'm looking at the list and I can't really make a case for, for anything else to come off. Uh, but yeah. No, I agree with you. I, I think it's the right way to go. I think it's just it's just getting so challenging at this point, even though we've we've done a lot of replacing in the last few weeks. But I would have to agree. I think uh, I think Fever's just a better song. But of all the choices on there, I think, yeah, I think you picked right. And I tell you, I as of tonight, I think Fever might be a hard one to get off, uh, to be honest with you, because, um, man, yeah. it is so good. All right, uh, Scott. Uh oh, it's my favorite time of the show. I gotta get my, my yeah, gotta get my my song going here. Oh dear, that's right. You were over last week. Uh, how are you gonna make out this week? How many times do you think Aerosmith performed Fever? Well, I gotta think they did this a lot. I, I really do. I I hate overestimating, but I'm gonna go with 121. 121. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what, that's not a bad guess. I can't even play the losing horn. You did oh. not too bad. The correct answer is 182 times. Oh, it's pretty low for uh, for my guess, but better than going over. Well, it's like uh, 93, 94. In 93, they played it 58 times. 94, wow. they played it 96 times. So they toured a ton off this record, right? And then they didn't play it again until the, the 2000s. Once in 2003, twice in 2002. 24 times in 2004. They haven't played it since 2004, according to setlist.fm. I thought there might have been some one-offs in there, actually, uh, past that, but I guess not. Um, and But they got to break it out again. Like, when you get back on the Peace Out Tour, uh, Breakout Fever. Uh, it, I know they like playing it. Uh, maybe it's tougher for Steven to sing, you know, that, that escalating uh, chorus uh, on the fevers getting higher and higher. Maybe that's tougher for him to pull off as he gets older. I'm not sure, but it definitely deserves a spot in the setlist, I think. Well, I think though you could you could do what a lot of bands do as they've gotten older and their vocalists aren't able to do what they did in their in their younger days and just modify it a little bit. Yeah, just you know, you know take take it down, down a key a step or, or two. So. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yep. Uh, I I think that would be a great one to do live. I could see that really having a lot of live potential and that little drum part. I think would be a lot of fun for their their uh, covering drummer. That'd be an exciting song to see them do. So I, I'm sure that at least somebody, one of the members of Aerosmith has to be listening to this podcast. So we're we're trying to help you out. Um, you listen to us dropping the other songs. So maybe you'll, uh, maybe you'll throw some fever in there now and then. Absolutely. It's time. You know what else it's time for? Scott Haskin for the second week in a row. 
you get to put a new song on the dice. So again, uh, we have Joni's Butterfly, Rockin' a Hard Place, Pandora's Box from Get Your Wings, Angel from Permanent Vacation, Love in an Elevator from Pump, and Fallen Angels from Nine Lives. So what would you like to put on there for next week? Well, you know, Corey, I was looking at things and I realized that we still have yet to finish an album, right? We've got something on every album available, but we're getting very close to finishing Rocks. And we have two songs left and I'm putting one of them on the dice right now. How about some Last Child? That's a a Brad Whitford uh, classic uh, off of Rocks. Man, if we finish off Rocks first, I think that'd be kind of apropos because that is considered one one of their best albums, one of the best rock albums. Uh, of all time so you're, you're going with a, a steven tyler brad whitford classic second cut off of rocks last child man we got a, a real murderer's row happening here on the dice uh, with the exception of maybe a pandora's box and joni's butterfly which i don't know as well uh mm-hmm. but you, you know the last four songs that we have on there are, are all uh are pretty damn uh, legendary so looking forward to next week but before we go scott maybe yeah. tell the folks about our uh, good friends at the deep dive podcast network well, Corey, I'd be happy to do that. But before I do that, I'm going to go in uh, in a different order. And I'm just going to talk about our, our friends outside of the network. First, of course, our buddies, Sean Geek and Fast Fret, Eric at Booked on Rock. And we have Ken Knapsock at Pop Rock and Radio and the legendary flagship of all Deep Dive podcasts, Pod of Thunder. But inside the Deep Dive network, we have tons of great shows slowly being taken over by the Corey Morissette podcast universe or the CMPU as we know it. We have John and Corey at Backtracks theme music. We have Corey and Market and the podcast will rock. We have Corey and Kevin at the ultimate catalog clash. Kevin, you know, Kevin's got to get his podcast in there. He's got the Tom Petty project and he also does Seaside Pod Review with one Randy, his good friend. They do a great job on that show. I had your Rye Heap, the Magicians podcast, 400 or just under 400 episodes there for you guys to listen to that will be there uh, until the end of time, unless the aliens erase our history. We have Nate and John at the Deep Purple podcast. We have the Simple Man at Skinnered Reconsidered, Terry T-Bone Mathley at T-Bone's Prime Cuts on the other side, Rye at Sabbath Bloody Podcast, Paul, Joe, and David at In the Lap of the Pods, Andy and Matt at Hawk Binge, Eric and Jonathan at Maiden A to Z, Daniel and Josh at Diary of the Mad Men, the ultimate Ozzy podcast, Ben and Sam at Universally Speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast, George and Hattie at Judas Priestcast, Clay and Rye at North by South podcast, Greg and Jonathan at So Far So Pod So What, Quinn at N Volume for All, Sav, Nick, Stephen, Mark at the Rock Roulette podcast, Chaz and Greg at Regarding Lulu, Chaz and Shats at Regarding Rush, and Chaz and Shats at Regarding Roger. Rush Rash, I'm sorry. Rush Rash is the collection there. And then Regarding Roger, the Roger Waters remake of a wonderful Pink Floyd album that he remade for some reason. Lots of great shows in the network. I will say it's very interesting that I've only actually seen a couple of these bands live. I've seen uh, Van Halen. Deep Purple and uh, obviously uh, Uriah Heep and then Judas Priest. And those are the only bands I've seen out of this whole list of bands. Wow. And yeah, I've I'm... only seen uh, Aerosmith. Wow. <laughs> and you go to yeah. way more concerts than I do. I know, right? Missed Van yeah. Halen. Uh, I'll never, and one of my greatest regrets, they were supposed to add another leg 
mm-hmm. to their uh, the, the last tour that were on there. And Regina was going to be one of the stops. They were doing all the secondary markets. And then like two days before they were going to announce it, they canceled the whole tour. And uh, I, I missed my chance. So thanks for bringing yeah. that up. I feel like shit now. Hey, that's how I was with Whitesnake. Although there's hope for White There is hope. And actually, I just see that the uh, Scorpions announced the uh, residency in Las Vegas. That might be fun. I might have to go to that. I've seen them a couple times. I saw them at Monsters of Rock, where I saw Van Halen. Uh, that was in the Sammy era, when they did mm-hmm. that with Kingdom Come and Dokken and Metallica. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I might have to go. They're, they're an interesting band. Yeah, they're doing a, a lot of bands going to be announcing residencies in your neck of the woods very soon. But I got to ask you, before okay. we leave here tonight, on the Haskin cast, uh, I heard a rumor that my, my uh, lifetime ban uh, may be rescinded and I, I might be appearing on the show again, maybe sometime in the new year. Is there, is there any truth to this rumor? I don't think that you were ever actually banned. I just said that you weren't allowed to pick the album again after our Thunder episode. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, uh, there's, there's, uh, we have to, to figure out when exactly we're going to do it. But I do believe that you and another good friend of ours are going to do uh, an episode together. I'm very excited about that. Me too. Uh, we won't uh, spoil the surprise for folks, but I, I enjoy podcasting with this uh, other special guest. And uh, I enjoyed the album that you've pitched that we talk about. So uh, look for that uh, in the coming weeks on the Haskin cast. But be, uh, until then, on behalf of Scott Haskin, my name is Corey Morset. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, let's give the final word to Steven Tyler.